Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Certainly with COVID, the opioid crisis didn't get better. It made it harder to treat people who are suffering from opioid addiction. That's Dr. Andrew Kolodny. He's the medical director of opioid policy research at the Heller School for Social Policy and Management at Brandeis University. Now, long before COVID-19 was declared a pandemic, Dr. Kolodny was attempting to deal with another public health crisis, one that had claimed the lives of countless Americans, and that's addiction caused by prescription and illicit opioid drugs. Drug overdose deaths linked to opioids have climbed for decades now, and they've reached pretty frightening levels. 128 people die every day from an opioid overdose. That's according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. In fact, the opioid crisis was even declared a public health emergency in 2017. Now, in the last couple of years, there's been some positive news in the fight to hold drug makers responsible in that pharmaceutical companies have paid billions to settle lawsuits related to their role in the crisis. And last fall, Purdue Pharma, that's the maker of OxyContin, the drug widely viewed as fueling the opioid crisis, agreed to plead guilty to federal criminal charges and close down the company, with billions now going to treatment programs. But as we all know, more than a year ago, the world changed. All right, CNN, starting this morning, is calling the coronavirus outbreak a pandemic. And for anyone struggling with opioid addiction, the pandemic has created a perfect storm of stress and isolation. So today, I wanted to speak to Dr. Kolodny about the pandemic's effect on an already devastating epidemic and the efforts underway to end the decades-long opioid crisis. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Coronavirus, Fact versus Fiction. This is a topic that um, pre-pandemic and certainly during this pandemic, I've been very interested in covering as a reporter and, you know, just sort of uh, horrified, frankly, I I think as a doctor to see how significant the problem is. From May 2019 to May 2020, 81,230 people died from drug overdoses in the United States. And that was the highest number ever recorded in a 12-month period, main cause synthetic opioids. How do you think it's been going over the last several months now? It's probably continuing to get worse. You know, I think that when COVID hit, many people were anticipating that the opioid crisis might worsen. And I think perhaps uh, thinking about it the wrong way, thinking that the psychosocial stress of the pandemic would drive more people to use drugs and accidentally kill themselves. And and so we'd see overdose deaths go up. And it really doesn't work that way. Certainly, psychosocial stress can cause drug use, particularly alcohol use. But most of the deaths that we see involving opioids are in people who are opioid addicted, 
not people saying, hey, let's go out and use uh, fentanyl because we're depressed. I've always been curious to sort of look at the genesis of this problem. Where do you think this really started in this country? Without a doubt, the current epidemic of opioid addiction begins in the mid-90s with a soaring increase in, in opioid prescribing. As the prescriptions began to take off, rates of addiction and overdose deaths increased in parallel with the prescriptions. And the medical community didn't start to prescribe opioids more aggressively in response to new information about opioids. It was really in response to a very effective marketing campaign disguised as as education. So much of this was really unfortunately driven by greed. Now, as we look at opioid overdose mortality today, it's not just people affected by the current epidemic that are dying at a very high rate. There are also many people dying who are survivors of a previous epidemic. So in the 70s and bleeding into the early 80s, we had a heroin epidemic that disproportionately impacted low-income minority communities. And survivors of that epidemic have continued to struggle with their addiction. And it's a, the group that's actually been hit hardest by illicit fentanyl. So we really have an important epidemiology to our opioid crisis, to opioid addiction in the United States that policymakers really haven't paid enough attention to. I really want to make sure I get the story around this correct and the language around this correct. I will admit that I've learned a lot about this along the way, and I'm a neurosurgeon. When I was training, and my training was uh, in the mid-90s, you know, it was that time when, when pain was considered the fifth vital sign, right? You ask about respirations and check fever and heart rate and all that pain. I mean, someone came in for anything at all, and you asked about pain. And the idea was that, you know, we're the United States. People should not be in pain here. That's something we can take care of. I, I would like to say that I don't think that was driven by greed, not, not at the clinician level, although I think people were being co-opted maybe without even realizing it. How do you reconcile that desire with what actually ended up happening? Well, it was absolutely driven, at least on the clinician level, by good intentions. And one of the reasons that the marketing was so effective is that many of us do become doctors because we truly want to help people. And increasingly, we were hearing this message that patients are suffering needlessly because we don't prescribe enough opioids and that we could be much more compassionate if we prescribe more liberally. And, you know, we weren't just getting these messages from the attractive drug reps for, for pharmaceutical companies who visit us in our offices. If it was just the drug reps, we would have been less gullible. But we were getting these messages from our professional societies, from the Joint Commission, which regulates hospitals. We were really hearing it from just about every direction that if you're an enlightened, caring doctor, you'll understand that opioids are a gift from Mother Nature and should be used much more for just about any complaint of pain. Were people turning a blind eye to this at the regulatory level? I really appreciate that question because I think it's too easy to just blame the drug companies. But we have regulatory agencies that are supposed to protect the public from corporations that might harm people in their pursuit of profit. When it comes to pharmaceutical companies or, frankly, any organization in a for-profit 
sort of system, you have to anticipate that there are going to be some bad actors. I think you just have to. The idea that you're going to count on everyone behaving in an honorable way, I think, is a little naive. And that's why you have regulatory authorities uh, like the FDA. That's what they should do. They should provide that safeguard as opposed to just relying on the sort of good intentions of these companies. I'm not trying to malign all companies, but the FDA, that's why it exists. And now we're talking about new therapeutics for COVID and new diagnostic testing and all these things. I hope, and I'm not suggesting the FDA won't act uh, responsibly in in this regard, but there has to be that separation, I think. And it's a topic that we will continue to really beat the drum on. Let me ask for people who are listening right now who, who may be dealing with this for real in their own lives, just terms, uh, definitions. What, what is the difference between addiction and dependency? One of the ways in which the opioid industry was able to convince doctors not to worry about getting patients addicted was to emphasize the difference between physical or physiological dependence on opioids and addiction. Because the truth is they're not identical, but they're very closely related. Any patient who takes an opioid around the clock in as little as five days is starting to develop physiological dependence on the opioid, meaning that they'll feel symptoms, including a worsening of pain when they try and stop the opioid, when they try and come off. So there is a difference. But one of the reasons opioids are so highly addictive is that When you try and stop taking them, there's a negative reinforcement. You feel sick or your pain gets worse. And that makes you want to continue taking the drug. And when you continue to use a drug, despite the fact that it's harming you, that is the definition of addiction. When you talk about these synthetics and them being so associated with these tragic overdoses, what exactly is going on there? Why do you get these sudden increases in overdose deaths, these clusters? There was this switching to to heroin because on the black market, the prescription opioids have always been pretty expensive. So as heroin moved into more communities, people, young people who were addicted to prescription opioids were switching to heroin. And because fentanyl is so potent. If a bag of of heroin has too much fentanyl in it, it's very easy for somebody to overdose and die. So what will happen frequently is that a batch of opioids with too much fentanyl in it or a fentanyl analog will hit a community. And within a 24-hour period, you may have a dozen or more people dying of overdoses. I'd like to spend a few minutes, Doctor, talking about potential solutions and, and, and things that you think could be helpful. What would you be recommending to President Biden and his staff about best tackling the opioid epidemic? I'd say I'd have two chief uh, recommendations. The first is I think the only way to really reduce deaths in the short run would be to rapidly expand access to effective treatment for opioid addictions. But effective treatment is expensive, it's hard to access, it's complicated, but finding a bag of heroin or fentanyl or prescription opioids is usually much easier and less expensive. We have to get to a point where effective treatment is much easier to access than a bag of dope. And by easier to access, I'm really saying it needs to be free. If we get there, I really do think we'd start to see deaths come down pretty quickly. Something else that I would recommend, what we really need and what we have not seen, despite the fact that we're more than 20 years into the opioid crisis, is a coordinated response to this problem from the federal government. 
what we've seen over the years have been agencies, federal agencies that at times have been at odds with each other. And what we've never really seen is all of these agencies working together in a coordinated fashion. And I'm hoping we'll finally see that under the Biden administration. When, when you heard about the, the programs that were going into place for protecting people during the pandemic, you know, stay-at-home orders, people physically isolating, things like that, from your lens at that point, did you become worried that the opioid problem would become worse? I did worry because, you know, I think many people might think that in the midst of a pandemic, people who are using drugs will just do the right thing and stop using drugs and, and buckle down with their, with their families. And, um, but opioid addiction doesn't work that way. And so there was no reason to think that people who are suffering from opioid addiction were going to just stop using and reason to believe that treating people in the midst of a pandemic would be more challenging. So I, I was worried that things would, would worsen, and unfortunately, that's what the data uh, does seem to show. The COVID-19 pandemic may have shifted attention away from the opioid epidemic, but that doesn't mean opioids went away. In fact, addiction specialists say there needs to be wider access to medication-assisted treatment and long-term care. Fact is, we are at a pivotal moment for people suffering from opioid use disorder. The medical community is going to be watching closely how the Biden administration handles this health crisis. If you have questions, please record them as a voice memo and email them to asksanjay at cnn.com. We might even include them on the next podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.